I just got home from gymnastics. The best part is actually the mothers talking to each other. It could be a podcast in and of itself. Because there's these two ladies that I always hear talking. And this week, I learned that she is 82% British. Did she do a 23andMe or something? Or Ancestry.com or something. But she was like, you know, I'm 82% British, 9% uh, Irish, you know, 7% Native American, you know, 13% Eastern European. And I'm like doing the math in my head. And I'm like, I think she's like more than 100% human, apparently. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we're going to dive deep on a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. Put your hands together, everybody. Here are your hosts, Reed Smith and Chris Boyer. All right, that was Michael Vensky providing us another great podcast intro. Michael is not only a friend, but he's a colleague in the industry, and you can learn a lot more about all the cool stuff he does at his website, michaelvensky.com. Thanks, Michael, for recording that intro for us. And this is episode 53 of the Touchpoint Podcast, and I am always joined by my co-host, Reed Smith, on the other side of the microphone. Say hi, Reed. Hi, Reed. (laughs) <laughs> Isn't that from a show or something? Didn't say, who does that? What is that from? George Burns and Gracie Allen. There you go. Thank you. You can find Reed and myself on LinkedIn if you ever want to check us out online. Jump out there onto that uh, social network and check out each of one of our profiles. And while you're at it, take a look at the Touchpoint Podcast LinkedIn page as well, where we post our podcasts every week. Reed, welcome to the show today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Good to be here. Uh, This should be a good one. This episode really hits home. I I have this conversation a lot with folks. This seems to be uh, still every hospital deal with a a hot topic. It is a hot topic, isn't it? Just like there's a lot of things out there that are a challenge to health systems. And this is one that we're looking forward to kind of rolling up our sleeves and digging in. But before we do, just want to talk a little bit about other things that may be a challenge to hospitals. Let's face it, for some hospitals that are implementing chat solutions, they're too slow, they're, they're too labor intensive, and to be honest, they're just not smart enough. We want to talk a little bit about the latest solution from our good friends over at Loyal, and that's called Guide. Absolutely. So using powerful AI-driven algorithms, Guide that we're talking about is a chat bot. And you've heard us talk a lot about those. It engages patients in dynamic conversations while helping them along every step of their online journey from choosing a doctor, finding the nearest location, could even help them apply for a job. Use it with, without live agents. If you have a call center, it makes no difference. This is a solution for you. Really, this is an intelligent healthcare specific platform that's completely customizable to fit your specific needs and your brand. It looks and feels and sounds like you and your organization because it's customized and designed for you and your organization. Absolutely. So to learn a little bit more about Guide, along with their other solutions, but specifically about Guide and how it might work for you, you can schedule a demo, tell them we sent you, surf on over to loyalhealth.com slash guide. That's loyalhealth.com slash guide. Well, Reed, today we're talking about managing your digital data blueprint. What we're talking about here is managing your directory listings, right? It's funny. So as we go around and talk to hospitals, I'm sure you've had this experience. Um, we can talk about a lot of things that a lot of people do not understand. Um, and it's hard to get people in the organization to really be able to wrap their arms around uh, maybe marketing automation, you know, CRM, other technologies, even some of the provider listings even. But when you talk, talk about, hey, so you have lots of addresses, phone numbers, suite numbers, doctor's names, facility names, are they correct everywhere online outside of your website? That's something people can read. Oh, no, yeah, we've got, we get calls all the time and this is wrong and that's wrong and this phone number rings here and it should ring there and this is an old number and all those types of things. So trying to clean that up and fix all that is, uh, it's a pain. I had shivers just thinking about that call, that infamous call where that location is wrong or that doctor's name is wrong in the Google listing or whatever it is. This has been happening for a long time, Reed. I wrote a blog post 
back in 2013 about this when I was working at a health system. And it was called Fix Google Maps Before Patients Start Dying. Maybe it's a little dramatic, but the point was, is that even back then we were trying to manage this. We'd always get these messages, you know, that this is wrong, or the patient showed up at the local supermarket instead of the clinic that they're supposed to go to. And it was difficult back then. And I got to say, it's getting even worse now to manage. Yeah. Don't you think it is? I mean, in all honesty, because number one, the number of locations are are increasing. Now with the influx of like uh, freestanding emergency rooms and urgent care clinics and these other outpatient you know, with the consumerization of healthcare, we have all these other access points. The number of access points have gone up along with the number of online directories. That, that multiplier effect is really amping this up super, super quickly. Um, I mean, and, and it is. And it's like that was a little, maybe a little bit dramatic, but it's not that far off because, I mean, we're still getting calls about phone number for the ER is ringing in the sleep lab. You mentioned like there's more locations and there's more places online to list those locations. The one thing you didn't talk about is there's more ways to search for information now, too. It's not just typing it into Google. More people are using their smartphones or they're using Siri or voice-first devices. They're using all these different ways to try to access this, and it's just making it much more complex. You mentioned this about urgent care centers. I just recently did a project where I was helping a hospital around optimizing their urgent care locations, and I was driving around the neighborhood and using voice search through Siri to try to figure out where they start to appear higher in the search listings than their competitors. And I was literally sitting in the parking lot of this urgent care center asking where is the closest urgent care center and it was referring me to a competitor that was three miles away. Right. While I'm looking at that location. Right. This is crazy t- times. It, it is. And, and two, so he, here's a couple of things that have happened, I think. Access points have gone up, so we have more stuff. The number of directories have, have increased. To your point, the way people search, so voice, mobile, et cetera, et cetera, has all increased or become more complex. So inside that matrix, you know, it's going down that track. But then also another component to that matrix is the fact that users can generate content. Everybody's checking in. and and creating locations in all these search engines and directory sites. And so they're duplicating content. And a lot of times it's inaccurate. Or, I mean, you know how it is. It's like you go into Facebook and it's like, wait a minute, why does our ER have a Facebook page? (laughs) You know, people are creating these things because they're checking in, quote unquote, on these different social platforms, whether it be Yelp, Facebook, Foursquare, you know, whatever it is. And so, like, more data records get created. It's a full-time job to just manage this stuff. And the problem is, is once you get it correct, it's correct for about 30, 40 minutes, you know? And then, like, (laughs) somebody's checked in somewhere else. And so it's just a constant struggle of of just management of these things. And the problem is there's no silver bullet. You know, everybody's like, well, how do you fix it? And it's like, well... I wish there was an easy way to just go, well, subscribe to this thing over here and it just will fix it all. Like, well, that's not really the case. Well, so then we should just turn off everything online and just shut down our website, all of our social properties and block the internet from when people come in. So we can just don't have to manage this problem, right? Is that the solution? That or move to a smaller town where everybody just knows where it is. And they don't really have to search. It's just like, oh, the hospital's on the east side of town, right there by the uh, the 3M plant, you know, whatever. So, uh, well, unfortunately, I don't think that's the either. Well, some that second solution may be a good way through, but the first solution about shutting everything down probably isn't. I guess today we're going to talk a little bit about you know, things that we found, trends that we're seeing, Mm -hmm. and maybe uh, some tips that we have. And we have a really great interview that you did a little bit later in this podcast. Yes. We'll hear from Carrie Lykin from Yext a little bit later. For those that are familiar, I know Yext is a a big player in this space and her background from Google even amplifies just her insights and thoughts around some of this. But to your point, like it'd be nice if we could just shut it all down, but it's like we don't even, we can't even do that because it's not Mm -hmm. ours. We don't own any of this. That becomes some of the struggle. Let's get to that because I I would argue that owning some of this may help the problem, right? But let's set the table about the problem. 
more and more people are using other devices to get to find local listings. And I know I use it all the time in my life, Reed. I'm in a new town or going to a new location. I use GPS to navigate me there. Uber is another way to kind of get people, you know, Mm. to locations. Mm -hmm. 82% of people are using online search to find local businesses. And why don't we just round that up to 100% of people? Might as well. I'm making notes here. Okay, so you, you mentioned GPS. You mentioned Uber. So when we talk about search, you know, we're also talking about from a mobile standpoint, like I search a lot of times in maps, like Apple Maps or Google Maps. So it's not so much a search engine. I'm using the, a map app, right? Or maybe Waze or something like that. Where are they getting their data from? What about this one? I mean, you travel a fair amount and maybe this isn't specific to hospitals or healthcare necessarily, but there's probably going to be a corresponding version. But think about some of these travel apps, Delta's app or something like that, right? So like you're in O'Hare, you're in an airport or somewhere like that. A lot of times it has a map like in that app that shows you where here's where restaurants are and what terminal and you know that kind of thing. Where's that coming from? You know, I think all these are access points to the data itself, but where's the data coming from? Reed, I just had a crazy thought, not to take us off the sidetrack, but you know, they're introducing all these uh, driverless cars. Mm-hmm. Where are they getting their information from? <laughs> when you hop into a driverless car in the future, are you going to ask Google Map to take you to the local emergency department? You better hope your listing's right. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Because think about like the early days of some of this where you had like the billboard on the back of the truck that drove around. It's kind of the same thing a little bit in the sense that like, you know, where is this information coming from? And that's, I think, what you've got to find out and make sure that your information is feeding into those aggregators or those data sources that then feed all these access points. And I think one of the easiest ways that we can kind of grasp the location listing challenge and maybe the highlight some of the the areas where you need to focus on is through Google. Google is pretty much kind of setting the standard for how to search and aggregate data. And so maybe we could talk a little bit about what are some ways that we know that organizations could start to appear in that what we call the Google 3-pack. You know what the Google 3-pack is? No, what is that? The 3-pack is when you search on Google and it pulls up the little map and it has three locations underneath of it. Mm -hmm. Being up at the top of the search there, right? That 3-pack. If we can get ourselves into that 3-pack and you get ourselves there accurately, then it's safe to say that probably what we're doing is addressing the problem of accuracy of listings online. Yeah, I think so. And I think also maybe let's talk a little bit about what are we seeing location-wise, location data, as far as the search results are are concerned. Because that's Mm -hmm. evolving. It used to be kind of like this text listing only. Now we're returning things like map data where you see the cards over on the side with like the Mayo Clinic data in it for different terms. How's the listing itself being enhanced? And one of the biggest things over the last you know five or six years has been the introduction uh, and importance of reviews. They're starting to appear all over the place. And Google at first started to aggregate reviews from Facebook and from Yelp and all that. But Google is spending a lot of time now trying to get you to write reviews right on their platform themselves. They believe reviews are important to establishing identity around that listing. So I think reviews is one of the big changes. They're putting in things like hours that you open and close now. They, they have links to your website. They have links to your phone number. So you can, from that listing result, you can just click on call if you need to. They're putting sure. a lot of stuff into this initial search result. And don't you feel like, uh, at least everything I've read and experienced, is the more complete you can make that listing, the more valuable it becomes to Google. Absolutely. Especially hours of operations. Strangely, is one of those things. And, and if you think about physicians especially, a lot of mm-hmm. times it's you know eight to five Monday through Thursday, but they're closed at noon on Fridays. And so if you can make that stuff match up to what's on your website, then you're bringing credibility back to your website, but you're also from a patient experience standpoint, making sure this is is good information for folks that find it. There's all kinds of stuff in there now where it's like, is there a handicap accessible ramp? And what about a bathroom? And and all those things are important to how the search in, the search engines view that content. So first of all, hours of operation, that's such a simple one, right? But if you're searching for something and it's closed, 
Google's algorithms will aggregate locations that are open above others. You know, it used to be in a hospital, you never put your hours of operation. Now you should be putting open 24 hours. And you, and you can pick every day of the week and just pick 24 hours. It's pretty easy. It's a checkbox. Not that hard. A lot of those things, I think user data gets submitted. People, people submit information. And so you need to be going back into these listings once you set up a Google My Business account and you're managing these listings to approve or edit these suggested changes and things like that. You see it in Facebook as well. You know, people want to update information, whether it be a URL, you know, maybe the price of... It seems like in Facebook, I'm having to reject that all the time. It's the little like dollar <laughs> symbol, like how much does it cost, you know, kind of a thing. Oh, geez. Just like constantly. But anyway, so there's all these like user generated changes that you have to go in and vet. And you know what I've noticed just recently, you know, having, I, I just got recently got married and afterwards I reviewed our vendors, the ones that we worked with. Mm-hmm. And now I'm getting emails from Google that's saying, your review helped this many people. And it's actually pushing back to me to try to encourage me to write more reviews. It's just incredible to think about like all the different things that are going on online. And why is Google doing this? Why do you think Google is really trying to get you to really amp up these listings? I think a couple of reasons. One would be, you know, the more information you have, the more valuable it becomes. But secondly, I think, too, if they have more data and more valuable data than anybody else, they will continue to be the choice, you know. So when, when people want to find stuff, that's where they go. Um, you know, I think they have a pretty healthy lead at, at this point on search engine usage versus Bing or Yahoo or whatever. But they want to continue that, obviously. And so this is one way to do that. You just like the Mayo Clinic cards and things like that, you want to continue to include information that other people don't have. And the trick is, too, is when you're claiming those listings. And there's, there's a lot of great tips about how to claim those listings. But if you could link it back to a web page that you own that has that information accurately on it. Try to make your website the source of authority because Google is really going everywhere to get information. It's going to phone directories, online directories, and Foursquare and health grades and all these other places to get information about you. Even government websites, if, if they are listed about you, how do you make this list more accurate, more authoritative? And, and the best way is to become, you become the single source of truth. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that starts with obviously auditing what you have. You'd be amazed still at how many people are not sure exactly what the name of all of their locations are. It's pretty close, right? It's like the whatever clinic. Yeah, but what's the full name? And it's like somebody has to go look somewhere. They have to pull up the website you know, or whatever. But you know, really understanding what you have is the place to start. And then you've got to figure out some way... Uh, and there's different ways to do this. I mean, well, you know, we do this. There's online tools that do this. But do an audit and understand you know, where the deficiencies are. That's step one. And the other one is it's really all about the nap. The nap. I love taking naps. I do too. What is a nap, Reed? Tell people what a nap is. So a, a nap is something that Google looks for and really likes to have consistency across your website, properties you own, matching up with data that they have. Specifically, it stands for name, address, phone number. And so you know, from an SEO standpoint, your website having your name, your address, and your phone number in the footer is really great for SEO. You know, Because Google can match that up. I guess that's a real clear indication that that is who they're looking for. It's important to start with that, make sure that's consistent across all your locations and across all the search engines, review sites, you know, all these online directories, etc. Oh, and now I want to take a nap because that's easy to do if you have maybe five locations or maybe you have 10 locations. But what if you're a large health system that has a couple dozen hospitals, maybe 200, 300 physician practices, you have a couple of ambulatory or maybe a couple dozen ambulatory locations. You have, you know, that sounds like it's just tremendously exhausting to keep on top of. It is, and that's when you hire somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously there's vendors out there that do this very thing. And sure, that's an extreme. You've got a bunch of hospitals spread over maybe a bunch of towns or metro areas or even states. And it does. It makes it very cumbersome. But I'll tell you, it's it's hard even for 
the Seoul Community Hospital or the hospital district that has a hospital, some doctor's offices around town, maybe some clinics, uh, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I mean, that in and of itself is hard enough. It's very hard at that point. A real example that we've worked on is, oh, you know, not a ton of brick-and-mortar locations, maybe 30. And then, you know, I don't know, 80 to 100 physicians. You know, now you're in the, you know, 120-ish range of listings. And so in and of itself, you're like, well, that's not that bad. Well, okay, do 120 times, you know, all these directories, right? Oh, boy. And so anyway, it it turns into a big number pretty fast, even when you don't start with a big number. You're just talking about physical locations and in some organizations, you know, you might have departments within departments or virtual locations. Now we're getting to a whole nother level. Yeah, and if you think about it, you know, think about what your consumer-driven you know, service lines are. So, you know, maybe you have uh, a breast center, you know, that does digital mammography and that kind of a thing. So people have to find that. It's not like surgery, you know, or, or something that is yeah. like, look, they're going to show up at the front desk, and you know, somebody's going to kind of take it from there. You have to know where to park. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the other East parking garage. You're like, what? Like, where is that? You know, so <laughs> um, it, it's, it's hilarious. I remember this one story of like being in a hospital and it's like, I'm looking for labor and delivery. And they're like, oh, that's the other second floor. Okay, so how do you get there? And they're like, you can't get there from here. And I was like, you can't get there from here. Like, literally, there's no way I can <coughs> get to this other second floor from where we currently stand. They're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you see, I can't get here. from. <laughs> but, you know, the idea is like, okay, you got digital mammography to your point that's maybe inside of the main hospital somewhere. So how do you how do you represent that on a map? Well, there's a pin and it appears this inside this big red rectangle thing that's on a map. You know, so is it like literally where the pin is? Is that where it is in the facility or is that just where somebody dropped the pen, you know. And then you've got office complexes or, you know, medical yeah. medical buildings that have suites, obviously, inside of them. Those businesses have different names than what's on the sign out front. You, you can see how this goes. And then you get into physicians and you've got a doctor that has one phone number in four locations or four phone numbers in one location. And there's these nuances to a lot of this stuff that really makes some of this stuff super complex. Well, we're painting a pretty bleak picture, Reed. I mean, this sounds totally exhausting to be able to manage this. And no wonder people, like, whenever you talk about listing management, they start to cringe if they've done it before. Certainly, we might have some advice that we could provide to people, maybe some good approaches about how to start to claim and own this, to rank a little bit higher in the search results. Yeah, my recommendation would be to uh, make sure you work for an organization that has a corporate office and then just pawn it off on them. (laughs) (laughs) Or hire a summer intern, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's, you know, we've got this PDF document that we've had about seven years. I think it's pretty accurate, but if you could figure out if it is, and then I'm going to need you to find all of our listings on the internet and figure out how to claim said listings. And then just, if you'll just keep managing those, that'd be super. So, you know, breaking it down. I think, first of all, looking at your local business listings is probably a good start. Googling, finding those local business listings, particularly on Google. I mean, they're also on Bing because that still exists. They are. But if you think about it, you know, what, what do most people use? They use Google. They use Facebook. Potentially Yelp, depending on what market you're in and what your demographic is. And I could kind of go off on a whole nother tangent on that. That's what you're really looking for. Most of those, well, all three of those have ratings and reviews built in. Um, and so you're, you're getting consumer feedback, so you need to be monitoring them anyway. You know, those are the big ones. I, I think, you know, from a search engine standpoint, you know, my two cents on that is, is, is obviously Google's where you want to spend the bulk of your time. Unless mm-hmm. you know that there's a large employer in town that the default search engine of all their computers is something else. Then maybe you make the argument of like this gigantic employer in town uses Bing. And then too, if you if you think about it from a mobile environment, Apple Maps is going to be another key one. You mentioned Apple Maps because of mobile. I think that you know mobile-friendly websites also helps. So we, we hear a lot about that being mobile-friendly websites. Google AMP, if you 
you don't know about that and you're on in websites, you should get to know that because Google is preferring websites that are mobile friendly that that comply to the AMP standards, AMP standards. Definitely use that as a benchmark to where you want your website to perform in a mobile environment. Google AMP. I thought that was like the new Mountain Dew flavor or something. <laughs> Extreme. Yeah. It's like red. Comes with a pair of sunglasses. I think that's smart, and I think you know this is just another reinforcing factor that we need to be building mobile first, not even mobile friendly anymore, because this is where people are and where people spend most of their time. And so this is some of the stuff that you can sort out, but I've always just told people to get a sheet of paper out and draw a grid on there, write out all your listings, and then go back and go, are we in these locations? Do we own them? Yes or no. Are there reviews there? Yes or no. Where does this tie back to on the website? And just do a quick audit, and maybe it won't be that quick, but you can at least start with your primary locations, your primary brick and mortar locations, the main hospital, your community hospitals, suburban hospitals, whatever they are. Maybe you have a cancer institute or a children's hospital, et cetera. But pick a dozen of your main locations, go through, do this audit. It's going to give you a pretty good depiction of probably where everything is. Quite honestly, there's some good free tools out there. You know, you can plug your your address into or your name into. It'll run a quick tell you, you know, how much is correct on the different platforms, how many duplicates, errors, you know, things like that that you can you can kind of check into. There's even a Google Chrome plugin that you could put in that will do that for you. You mentioned reviews, Reed. I think reviews are important. Mm-hmm. Reviews are increasingly becoming important for listings. So make sure you develop a process around how to respond to your reviews. And if you have bad reviews, how you can start to resolve those and and maybe even amplify the positive reviews online. I think that becomes really important too in terms of making your listing more findable. In most cases, you cannot, maybe in all cases, you cannot reply to these things without owning the listing. Spending time understanding what people are talking about, you know, that bleeds into customer experience. Uh, there's just synergies with a lot of these things, you know, that it's just, it's just good business practice. And so first and foremost, though, you want this stuff to be correct because when people need to find you, you want them to be able to do that. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, and that's our good friends at Binary Fountain. You know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're spending uh, on reviews, ratings relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too many of those are going unanswered, and they're certainly not being analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting our patient experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health Analytics. If you'd like to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at binaryfountain.com. That's binaryfountain.com. There's some other SEO tips we talked about, building out your, your profile, making sure all that information is right. I think one of the things is, is we haven't talked about yet, is the near me SEO search term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really important. And, that, and Google is preferring sites that have near me. I mentioned earlier that I, I was working with a hospital to see how their, their urgent cares are appearing against their comp- competition. And I noticed that one third-party urgent care facility that wasn't associated with the hospital, that was a key part of their SEO strategy is to own the near-me searches. They use that term everywhere. They even put it in the titles of their web pages so that it appears online. Urgent care centers near me, Denver, Colorado. I wonder how quickly Google's going to sort that out, though, you know, with all the algorithm changes, people, because that feels like gaming the system a little bit to me, or trying to circumvent the algorithm or whatever. If you boil it down to just the idea of like, we want the most robust information out there that's correct and syncs up with our site, which brings us to this idea of the source of truth, that's the way to go. Single source of truth. There's so many things that lead into that around a a website and, and how you develop that single source of truth. Think about every location as having potentially a single page on your website that you can build all that dynamic content in. Putting in you know, geographic indicators, directions, all of that stuff that Google is looking for, if you put that on your own website, that makes it even that much more robust, right? It does. And I think all this information comes from somewhere. You know, we mentioned, you know, earlier about people checking in places and, you know, creating, you know, content or data on the Internet. 
Obviously, it's pulling quite a bit uh, from websites. In all reality, all these websites are not doing all the same thing. They're mm -hmm. pulling their information or their data from somewhere else. And it's not crazy to think that because it's like, you know, super pages and like car navigation systems and all these things, they can't all independently go get their own data. That doesn't make any sense. And so, you know, Google feeds a lot of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of data aggregators, a lot of warehouses out there that you know, that's where the information comes from. And there's some strange ones out there that you don't think about, like TomTom. You know, the, the, the GPS. You, you used to go like to Circuit City when there was such a thing and buy a TomTom like GPS device. They're some of the ones that, that pull all this together. And that's where a lot of information comes from. The old social app. Foursquare that everybody used there for a while and people were checking in on Foursquare everywhere that they went. And you can still do that. What do they call it? Swarm or something? Yeah, Swarm is the new app. But Foursquare did a little bit of a pivot from a business model standpoint and they're also providing data to a lot of these companies that are directories. And so you wouldn't know it. And so if you know some of these things, it's like, well, you know, technically you may could just go update or man your data program in a few places and ultimately it gets everywhere versus trying to go at it through the access points. And when it gets too complex, Reed, I think that's the time we mentioned it before in jest, but really that's the time you really want to look at potentially bringing in some experts to kind of help you with this. Because quite frankly, there's a lot of different strategies that you could take. Carrie in the interview that we're, that's just coming up here is going to talk a little bit about you know some of the strategies that she works with people through when she's working with with hospital clients. It's something that again is not rocket science conceptually. Everybody can wrap their arms around it. Our information is it correct in all these places allowing people to find this? Yes or no? And so no matter who you're talking to within the organization, they understand the idea of making sure that that is a priority. And so I think this is something that you can drive in your organization. You just got to have a plan on how you're going to do that. Hey, Chris, before we go too much further, jump into this next segment of the podcast, I did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors, Influence Health. Uh, you know, they've got a consumer experience platform that, that covers several things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've we've talked about content management systems on this podcast. Yeah, we did. What about CRMs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one way, shape or form have probably been covered, right? That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I would say that we even talk about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer experience. Well, there you go. I, you know, I would, I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those topics uh, or anything else, they've also got some complimentary solutions on their website, but, but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems, kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to influencehealth.com. Touchpoint. Touch counterpoint. There are two sides to every story. Ready? Fight! All right, touch point, touch counterpoint enthusiast. It's that time of the podcast <laughs> talking about data, specifically as it relates to listings online. Um, and I know we talked through a couple of different things, even including ratings and reviews, but specifically the data that feeds these directories. And we talked a little bit uh, just kind of at the end of our discussion, Chris, about the single source of truth. So do you feel like the hospital, the data at the hospital should be the single source of truth? I think it's just absolutely impossible to be the single source of truth in this day and age. There's so many different places that Google is preferring over your hospital website. You should be focusing on those third-party listings and doing your best to try to claim all of those and make those accurate because that's going to get you a much quicker return of value on your SEO and, and it's going to help you with your listing management much quicker. Yeah, but we're the only ones that know the correct information. So why wouldn't we be the single source of truth? I mean, we've got credentialing. We've got all our outreach folks. I mean, 
you know, we're constantly updating listings in uh, all kinds of third-party sites uh, because the doctor's new to town. Well, nobody knows that, but you know, our own organization. Reed, I don't know. From the last time you worked in a hospital, how hard is it to get an accurate listing of all the locations that you have? Uh, you know, across your organization, even facilities doesn't have that. And let's not even go down the rabbit hole of trying to get your your doctors all correct. That's you're constantly whack a moling that internally. You're never going to get it straight. So what you should do is just you know kind of go after where the squeaky wheel is and just fix those online that are appearing at the top of the search results. Well, when I worked in a hospital, we used carrier pigeons, and <laughs> yeah, it was. It was more about community newsletters and uh, anyway, but it has to originate from somewhere. Like the data has to originate from somewhere. And I think it's not a huge stretch to think about if we do it correctly, we can own that. I mean, we've seen other third party organizations do this and own the search results. So why, why not the hospital? I, I tell you, man, it's like it doesn't matter how hard you try. Google's going to prefer like the health grades and the Facebooks and the and the swarms and all those over your hospital website. It's just because those more people are out there, more people are writing reviews, more people are, are creating your own listings there. If you're going to be chasing it down, go after where you're going to have the most quickest impact, which is, you know, those third party sites. I just don't think you're ever going to win that battle. I feel like we have to win. The, I mean, we have to. We have to get there at some point or we're resigning ourselves to buying ads. It's one or the other. Like you're going to buy yourself into the top three or, you know, you're going to you know have the most credible source. Well, I don't know. Buying it might be cheaper than, you know, the man hour spent trying to claim that <laughs> listing and having it overturned in 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's probably true. <laughs> Wait, I, I'm being I'm being a slightly facetious, but I get your point, and this is where we're gonna I'm gonna cough my extreme point. You are right, Reed. It's actually much better to to become that single source of truth, but it just it's gonna take you incredibly a lot longer to do so. It, it is. It's a long play. I mean, it absolutely is a long play. And I think too, as marketing leaders, you've got to figure out you know is the hospital the single source of truth? If it is. Who in the hospital is the single source of truth? That's a cultural thing that you're going to have to answer. Is that the medical staff office because they have credentialing? Is that marketing because they own the uh, you know perception, experience, and brand of the organization? Who is it? Like who's going to own that? So anyway, and that's all. That's another topic for another day. But it's, it's not an either or. It's a both. But it's a both in terms of exactly how you're going to to do that. You want to prioritize a lot on what's appearing on top of the search engines, but at the same time, spend time internally trying to get your website to the point where it can become the single source of truth. It's just the better play long term. Okay, here today, and very, very fortunate to be joined by Carrie Lichen, Head of Healthcare over at Yext. Carrie, thanks for uh, spending a few minutes with us. Thank you. It's great to be here. Carrie, as we get started, uh, maybe spend just a minute, tell everybody a little bit about your background uh, and how you ended up as the Head of Healthcare over at Yext. <laughs> sure, would be happy to. <laughs> So I have always been super interested in healthcare, but I took that first chemistry class in college and I realized that labs were not for me. So I had to figure out how could I get into healthcare outside of actually becoming a doctor. So through many um, years and meandering around, I was in healthcare and outside of healthcare and I ended up getting a master's in health policy uh, up here in Boston at Harvard and joined the Google office. And I started the hospital group within healthcare. And I was doing that for about eight and a half years. So I was understanding what's going on with patients and searching, um, running and launching studies. Uh, we worked with Compete to get patient search and patient experience studies launched because we were engaged in trying to help health systems move traditional marketing dollars, just a little percentage of it, to digital. Uh, we were trying to get them to understand the patient journey. But uh, I could only talk about click-through rate so many times before I just felt like I'm pretty much 
done with this. And and uh, a friend of mine who had had worked for Google and then left Google a few years prior called me and said, hey, I'm at this company called Yext. They're starting a healthcare group. I think you'd be perfect for it. Would you ever be interested in leaving Google? And I, uh, I went through the whole process of understanding what is Yext, what is the value of Yext to healthcare. One of the biggest things that I dealt with when I was working with all of these different hospital systems was, hey, can you put me in touch with the Google Maps team? Because patients are actually showing up at the local elementary school parking lot thinking it's our ER. And when I realized that Yext could actually solve for that and saw that it happened in real time, uh, when I met with our CEO, I thought, hmm, all right, I think this is something that can be a big, big solution for health systems, and I'm going to make the leap. And I've been here now for about a year and a half. I've visited with over 200 health systems, and I've seen some pretty interesting things, pretty regular themes, I would have to say, but then also some pretty interesting things regarding the data. I always thought that this was just a challenge of how do we get your doctors to show on Google, but to tell you the truth, it all comes down to the data behind the scenes and recognizing where does it live, what's going on with it, how do marketing teams manage it, or maybe how are they not managing it because it's so challenging, and then what do we think about in relation to trends that are happening in the industry now that data is becoming more and more important to be able to feed into some of these new developments in technology. All right. So you, you touched on a couple of things there. And, and I've said this numerous times. So when we go into hospitals, we find ourselves going into these hospitals. Um, you know, we talk about directory management and, and people seem to be able, that's something people can wrap their arms around no matter what their role in the organization is. They don't have to necessarily be in marketing. They understand that you know, there's search engines, there's data out there. It's correct. People can't find the right address or the phone number or whatever, whatever it may be. So everybody kind of understands that. But I think something we don't talk about is that that data comes from somewhere. Um, you know, where, where does it come from? How do we start down this path? Yes, it's really interesting. In all of these visits that I've made over the course of the last year and a half, I've seen anywhere from the data itself living on two separate spreadsheets internally within marketing to 17 different locations, spreadsheets, databases, etc. So within a health system, it runs the gamut. And there's a data flow within a system too, where a lot of times the reason we're probably talking about directory management and listings, it's in marketing mostly because the marketing teams are focused on the externally facing provider information. A lot of times it's the website and the provider profiles on the website. So they're in management mode of those doctors. But where they get the information is really interesting. It comes from credentialing. It can come from insurance. It can come from a CMS. It can come from a marketing platform. It can come from a homegrown database. It literally lives in all of these different places. So when you think about how that information is managed internally, and then the complexities of the providers themselves, they're constantly in motion. My husband is a doctor, and he is in five different locations at any given time of a month. He sees patients on Tuesdays and Fridays, but only in the afternoons. He sees patients on Thursdays twice a month, one at Mass General at the main location, one outside of the city. And then he's a, a researcher for those other days, and he has two different research offices. So when you think about just him as a provider, he has all of these different locations. And if somebody's looking to go to one of his clinics on a particular day, how does a health system manage that? And then make sure, obviously, they're managing it on Google and other places. But then also, there's an influx of providers, too. So some are coming into the system, and they're coming through credentialing, and then credentialing is sending a file to marketing. But then also, others are exiting the system. So there's always this flow and this motion to providers coming in and out. And so the data needs to be able to be constantly updated, and yet it's not. Marketing has a really hard time figuring out a, what system should I be using, whether it's an Excel spreadsheet, which we do receive a lot of those? How often should it be updated? Where's the data coming from internally? And then how do I make sure that it's translated so that it is on our website adequately and appropriately? But then also then on top of it, how do I manage all of these other endpoints 
where patients are now having micro experiences with the health system and the provider specifically. A lot of them aren't going to the websites anymore. They're just going to the Googles and other places. And if that information isn't there and it's not accurate internally and it's not up to date internally, it just becomes a really big challenge. You know, inevitably there's this there's this elephant in the room that, that no one wants to address. And that's the physician provider directory, uh, whatever you want to call it, physician finder on the website. You know, that data has to come from somewhere. Who has that source of truth and who has the list that's like 100% accurate, 100% correct. It's tough because credentialing believes that they have the right one. So oftentimes we'll get into a room with everyone at the table who claims that they own the data. And, and many times people will sit across the table from each other and they will have never met. So credentialing will, will sit across from marketing and they'll say, well, who are you? Are you with Yext? <laughs> and they'll say, no, I'm with your credentialing department. I'm with medical staff office. So it's really interesting that these uh, siloed entities exist within the system. And then on top of it, the ownership of the data is so closely held that for credentialing, they believe that they are the source, even though it's not always, very oftentimes, not always the best source. And then when it is exported to marketing, marketing takes a look at it and says, this isn't even publicly facing information. I can't put this on a website right now. I have to make total changes to it. So then they create a new source. And so it starts to, to move on from there. So it's really tough to even identify who is the owner. But I think what we've tried to best understand and help marketing teams understand is that because marketing handles the externally facing provider information, that they ultimately get the say. So they can ingest the information and it can pull into one place. But then marketing says, all right, because we're in control of that provider externally, and we need to make sure that that provider is a representation of our brand as well as a system, then we will go ahead and, and start to build this as the source. And then start working off of that and then invite others to also add to it. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think I hear what you're saying is that, uh, you know, because marketing is, is the keeper of the brand, uh, they're ultimately responsible for whatever goes out. And whether that's a print ad, an outdoor billboard, uh, in this case, uh, directories and online listings. It seems like it's owned, I would say, mostly by marketing at this point, although they seem to be the recipients of it, and then they try to figure out what to do with it. So every entity who has a piece of the data will say that they own it. But then marketing, because they're working with it, because they're taking it and they're adding on to it. I mean, many times, for example, credentialing, they don't have provider bios, they don't have headshots, they don't have locations where the providers are working. So they'll send information to marketing and then marketing has to actually get the bio. They have to get the headshot. They have to figure out from the practice manager, where does this doctor work at any given day of the week or the month? And then they need to be able to input that somehow so that it can update onto their website. So the responsibility tends to fall on marketing just because there's a lot more detail that they need to add to that provider once they get the data. But each entity, I mean, even CRM, for example, like even each group itself says, well, we're the source. Epic even believes they're the source. So um, it's just trying to figure out how do, you, how do you get that data from these different places? And then how does marketing say, now that I have it, how do I integrate it together? And then how do I make it publicly available? Okay, so is... As organizations make their way down this path, um, you know, maybe they've even done some online audits and you know, how correct are our listings or the directories, et cetera, things like that. You know, where do they go from here? You know, I would say most most people that listen to this podcast are in that that hospital marketing communication world. Where do they go from here? Mm, I think that's a good question. I think there are two ways of tackling this, and we see it. Oftentimes, you're getting complaints from somewhere or from the C-suite or from patients or from patient experience or from people calling you directly in, within marketing teams and the information somewhere is incorrect or somebody showed up. Even my husband, actually, at MGH last week, he had an 8 a.m. appointment and the woman showed up, his patient showed up at 8.35 and said that 
she didn't know where to go. She looked him up online, clicked on his map on Google Maps, and it drove her right past MGH toward Boston Medical Center, which is where his map marker actually shows. So she was 35 minutes late to a 45-minute appointment, and she was livid. So those types of things, marketing teams hear about that either from doctors or from patients or from the C-suite coming down to the marketing team saying, why is this happening? That's one of those urgent, we need to fix this now. And so fixing it now with the data as is, is a better step than not doing anything. So that's one way that that the marketing teams just say, you know, we just need to take care of this and, and we'll, we'll take care of it. And then we'll work on how do we set up the architecture to figure out where does all of this data live and how do we make it better? How do we get it out there in a better way? The other piece is oftentimes we do go into health systems and we actually do data mapping. Where does your data live? How does your data flow? So if it's credentialing, where does it go next? Credentialing to marketing. Well, where, what does marketing do with the data? Well, marketing will put it into CMS for the, for the website. Maybe they'll send it to some sort of technology. Maybe they're um, also getting data from insurance. Wherever it might be, we'll, we'll architect all of that out. And then the systems themselves will start figuring out all right, well, credentialing gives me this record. And the website houses this information. I'm pulling all of that together. And then I have all of this information that I operate off of an Excel spreadsheet. I'm pulling this together. And then what they do is they pull it all together and they send it to us. And we clean it up. And then we send it back to them. And they say, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. <laughs> it's clean now. We upload it into our platform and then we, we launch it live. And then behind the scenes, once it's launched live, then patients can find the right information. But then we start setting up things like APIs from credentialing to our platform, from our platform to a website. So there are lots of different ways of tackling it. I think a lot of the systems are just saying, this is so frustrating. This is such a challenge. Our information is so incorrect and patients are driving to the wrong places or they're calling the wrong phone numbers. And we just need to get that corrected first. And then they can move into the platform. Others take the platform play where they say, where is my data now? How do I make it more efficient to feed it to different places? Let's correct it externally. Let's correct it on my website. And then let's start building efficiencies within the platform within what we've already purchased as a system so that all of these different pieces can flow more seamlessly and efficiently. What I'm hearing you say is there's still a place for for quick wins. So if you can fix something, fix it. Uh, let's not let's not just kick the can down the road. If you can get it done, get it done. Uh, but really spend some time understanding what you have, where is it, get it corrected, cleaned up, whatever that may be. Then that puts you in a better place, uh, regardless of how you plan to execute. Uh, but puts you in a better place to actually execute on it at that point. I think a lot of health systems too think when they think about the data, they think about this massive elephant that they don't know how to devour. And I want to just encourage health systems to think about it's okay to just take a step-by-step process. So I really love Reed, what you were saying about you can get the quick win. You can definitely quickly take care of this. And then you can start thinking more strategically about that data flow. And it doesn't have to be overwhelming. There are systems out there who say, holy cow, I don't even know where to start with this. I'm not going to start. And that's not necessarily the way to go about it either, because patients are still finding the wrong information and they're, they're showing up to the wrong places. It is important to recognize that there can be steps to this process. It doesn't have to be one and done. Any gotchas that you guys have noticed over the last, I guess, year and a half that you've been there? Anything you weren't expecting that, uh, you know, as you dug in, you found out? I mean, the biggest one was actually the data. So whenever I took this role at Yext after coming from Google, I thought, well, this is just great. I'm going to be able to solve a key issue that every single one of my hospital customers when I was at Google had. And then I got in and, and started talking to these different systems. And I thought, oh, geez, what is going on here? <laughs> Aside from the fact that the data is all in all of these places, um, it was pretty bad. I think the other thing is it's not a gotcha as much as it's considering where's the market going as far as technology is concerned and how is the patient finding information and what are the patient's expectations? I think it's not necessarily as much of a gotcha for me, but I think it can become a gotcha for health systems. And I think Part of my mission is to educate health systems on 
what to be thinking about and how to be thinking differently. And how do you use other industries to better understand how to position the way that we can treat the patient? So patients expect that they can access information at the search um, on a mobile device, or now they start asking questions of all of these different intelligent systems too, like Alexa and Google Home and Siri. And what's really interesting is that I hear health systems talk all the time about redoing their website. And I want to tell them that that is not where the patient is spending all of their time anymore. So thinking about the gotcha that is going to quickly come about for the health system, it's how do we understand how does Amazon Alexa get information to actually give a prospective patient or a patient who's asking show me where this particular doctor is or make an appointment at the nearest urgent care or any number of different things or diagnose the symptom and then make the appointment. I mean, they're starting to use conversation that's based on a knowledge graph of data points and nodes that are connected to each other. So I want a doctor that accepts this kind of insurance that's within five miles of me. There are three nodes there that Alexa and Google Home, they're going to have to find that data somewhere. And patients are asking that. And then on top of it, I actually think trend-wise, I think chatbot, they're going to take on more and more relevance in healthcare as well. So where's a chatbot going to be accessing information and data to? And how is that going to be able to service up the right information for somebody who is either entering symptoms or needing to find a doctor or wanting to do something complex, like find a doctor who accepts a particular insurance who is within five miles of where I live. So I think that's going to be a bigger gotcha than anything else. So if all these systems are only focusing on the website, they're going to be missing making sure that they're in front of the patient, when the patient and how the patient is searching. And I think that whoever gets there first whoever can understand the chatbots and the intelligent services and where the data can flow into those, in addition to just the mobile search and desktop and things like that, then I think those are the systems that are going to win and actually get the patients to migrate over. For those wanting to track you down online, what's the, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? I think the easiest way to find me would be just via my email address, carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E, at yext.com. This has been great. Thanks for uh, spending a little bit of time with us and I uh, look forward to having you back on again soon. Great. Thank you so much, Reed, for having me. It was a pleasure. Chris, good news. The healthcare industry now has its own domain name. What? Absolutely. Everybody knows that organizations have .org, education has .edu. Well, now .health is available and quickly becoming the home for all health-related content online. And listeners to our podcast can visit git.health slash touchpoint. Visit git.health slash touchpoint now. Okay, Reed, we're at the end of the episode now of episode 53. That was a great conversation you just had with Carrie. I think that she's, you could tell she's got a lot of energy and interest in helping organizations solve that. It just really comes through in that call, in that conversation. Absolutely. I'm glad that she's agreed to fix all this. <laughs> <laughs> she did not say that uh, as a disclaimer. She did not say she was going to fix everything. But she is awfully smart and understands uh, this world, uh, especially the data revolving around a lot of this. And so anyway, yeah, yeah, we look forward to having her back on. Well, Reed, what's happening? Is there something new happening with you that you're going to be speaking at pretty soon? I will be at the Texas Hospital Association Conference. As you listen to this, I'm actually there, or at least as far as you know, I am. Um, (laughs) and then uh, of course after that will be uh, South by Southwest looks like there may be a state hospital association or two this spring Uh, more to come Mm -hmm. on that that I'll uh, I'll find myself at Uh, and then uh, you and I'll be at the forums for healthcare strategists into April 1st of May so that's going to be a good conference looking forward to that all right so now we're going to do the ever popular recommendations. And Reed, I'm going to let you start this time. What you got? Mine's a little bit different. Uh, theor- well, not theoretically. You can buy this. This is something you can purchase. I don't know that it's all that exciting if you do purchase it, 
but I'm recommending an autographed baseball. Whoa. Really anyone will do because it's more about the experience of getting the autographed baseball than it is, you know, just having the autographed baseball. But it looks cool sitting on your desk. It's something neat to have. Then you have a story and a conversation and someone's like, oh, hey, who's uh, who's on that, that baseball there? And then you can like, you know, Oh yeah, met this guy, saw this guy, went to this game, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, look for that experience where you can get an autographed baseball because that's uh that's always a neat story to tell and it makes for uh, a neat item on your desk. When you do get the like the real baseball, like the authentic like game ball. Don't don't buy a cheapy one because they're plasticky and the ink will bleed over time. Anyway. Well, I'm sure that um, if you go out to eBay, you probably can find a lot of autographed baseballs. But I guess you have to pay close attention to make sure they're not phony autographed baseballs, right? Yeah, or if you're just looking for a story, then sure, just go buy whatever you want. And then you just kind of make up the story. Well, heck, you could just go buy a baseball and write on it with your own Sharpie then, I guess, right? I'm sorry, I don't mean to take your your recommendation down, thanks for, but uh, thanks for crapping on my point there. So, that was awesome. <laughs> uh, well, you could crap on my point here, maybe. Um, I am going to recommend a book by Brian Solis. Do you know who Brian Solis is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He actually partners and makes that crazy spreadsheet-looking chart infograph thing of like all the social properties that gets updated every year. That's right, the social media lotus. Is that what that thing is? The big weird wheel? I'm gonna look that up while you're talking, go ahead. Well, sure, but um, he wrote a book and it came out a couple years ago. Uh, I made sure to pick up a copy of it and it's just really a beautiful book. It's called X, the experience when business meets design. And it's a book that really talks about brand experience, customer experience, and it uh, illustrates it in a visual and also the process around uh, developing a seamless experience. It's a beautiful book. Don't go get the Kindle version. Get a hard copy of the book because it really lays out nicely on your on your lap when you're reading it. It has great big pictures, some really nice Venn diagrams, everything you would expect from a Brian Solis book. Absolutely. X, when experience, when business meets design. And it's about the new iPhone. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's called the Conversation Prism for all those listening. So current version, Conversation Prism 5.0. That's an extra recommendation for this week. So there you go. Link to that in the show notes. Well, another good episode, another good week. I look forward to, uh, to next week. Thank you, everybody, for listening, subscribing. Feedback has been wonderful. Thanks for all the nice notes on our uh, anniversary podcast, uh, specifically that we posted on LinkedIn. Uh, it was very nice. I just really appreciate all the support. So for Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you soon.